Gregs. Boy, good to see <coughs> Excuse me, all of you today. I'll try not to cough in your ear. I told Randy to have his finger on the mute button just in case. Or if you see me do this, it might be the reason why, so that I don't cough in your ear. Anyway, we're on the last installment of our series called How Do You Get to Carnegie Hall? And of course, the answer to that question is practice, practice, practice. And we're talking about spiritual practices. And, or if, if you like... Um, kind of the, the old definition of spiritual disciplines. Pastor James and, James and I, we don't like the word discipline. We thought practices might fit a little bit better for our culture today. But ultimately, what I've been trying to argue over the last few weeks is simply this, is that when Jesus talked about abundant life, when he talked about the abundant life, this life beyond is that it comes from the inner transformation when we, be, when we grow to be like Jesus, and that happens through spiritual practices. Okay, and I, and I think that I've, I've, I've maybe have kind of beaten that horse to death, but I think it is an important thing for us to remember that abundant life comes from the change that goes inside, on inside when we become like Jesus. And let's be honest, the world needs more people acting like Jesus. I mean, bottom line here. And the fact of it is, we don't need more religiosity. We need people relate relationships with Jesus who are beginning to think like him, who are beginning to act like him, who are beginning to love like him, not just on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday. Can I get an amen? Yeah, I think that's the important piece. The, the problem that we face is the fact that it's not a magic wand. Is that inner transformation, that growing to be like Jesus doesn't just happen. And at the same time, we can't earn it. It's impossible to learn because it's grace that God wants to give to us. And so what are we left with? We have to put ourselves in contact with God so that he can do the things that he can do. And so we talk about these things like the position we're in. We're putting ourselves in a position to be connected to God as well as having a posture of receptivity, the types of things that we, we want to receive from God, the things that he wants to do, Right? So we call those spiritual practices. It puts us in that place where we're close to God so that he can do his work. And the other thing that I want to mention here is that when we started Thrive, we had a couple of core convictions. And you know, some people call them values, and some people call them, I know there's different names for them, but for us, we had core convictions. One of those core convictions we say at the end of every service, we thrive only when Others thrive too, right? But here's the other one. We thrive when we follow Jesus. I mean, this, this comes down to a gut-level core conviction that thriving means that we're following Jesus because we're talking about abundant life, right? We're talking about being like Jesus ourselves. And so human beings thrive when we actually follow Jesus. And this is um, one of those things that has kind of driven us since the very beginning. And so in this series, uh, we want to put ourselves in that position to connect with God and allowing Him to work inside of us. And, and so if you remember, back in week one, way back when, our first, first week of spiritual practices was the practice of focus. Simply asking God, God, this year, what do you want to work on? You know, sometimes I forget. I, I forget. I think we all forget. That, you know, like I said earlier, when we come to church, we think we're going to meet with God, but we forget that God wants to meet with us. And we want God to do work in our lives. Guess what? God wants to do work in your life. So why don't we check in with him first and say, here's what my focus is. And so we talked about this idea of a theme for the year. 
Then in week number two, we talked about prayer. And sometimes I think we just complicate prayer. Prayer is talking with God. That's it. It's talking with Him. And by the way, it means listening. In week number three, we talked about the practice of community. Human beings are not meant to live alone. We're not meant to do that. And so we need each other. And then last week, we talked about this whole idea of the practice of giving. Tithes and offerings break us of selfishness and extend the kingdom of God. And so we've got to discipline ourselves. We have to actually practice those kinds of giving. And I'm not just talking about money here. I'm talking about our time, our attention, and our energy. All of those things are what we give. Certainly money is a part of that, but it's not the only resource that we have. So keep that in, keep that in mind. Now, um, I've tried to have little handouts for you each week. I don't normally do that, um, but I, I think that practices is about skill. And so uh, I've tried to have little handouts for you just in case uh, so that if you... <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> so if, uh, if you uh, fill those out and as I'm going along, you're going to have something as a reminder um, uh, in the future. And here's the thing, when we're talking about some of these spiritual practices, and by the way, this is not an exhaustive list. Uh, I mean, I've, I've only picked a few here. We're talking about some practices, and, and periodically we'll hit these as we go into the future. Um, this is just kind of a start. But if you've got those you know, four or five practices that we've been talking about, look, if the Holy Spirit's kind of checking you in your, in your spirit about it, you, you might want to pray about it. Uh, uh, that, that's all, I, I just want you to keep that in mind. And, and, and here's another little caution. If you're looking at that list of, of four or five practices and you're just feeling overwhelmed, like, oh man, I just got to work on all of them. I can't do it. That's not from God. You need to understand that. That is the enemy trying to overwhelm you. That's not from God. If you feel like all of those disciplines, all of those practices are just a little bit too much for you, keep listening. Keep listening because, because typically speaking, God has one or two of those that he just wants to highlight for you. Not all of them. And I think that's the primary way the en enemy keeps us on the bench, keeps us off the field, is just to try to overwhelm us and making us feel like we're bad people because we don't have it all together. Well, guess what? That's why you come to church. You don't have it all together. I don't have it all together. If you think that, then you're in the wrong church. Okay? I'm still on this journey like everybody else. And so are the people sitting around you. And so today I want to talk about a different practice, one that you probably have not heard of before, um, maybe, but I, I, I kind of doubt it because we don't talk about it a whole lot. And this is called the practice of guidance. The practice of guidance. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, um, even though this might be new for you, in church world, we often call, uh, we often use another word called wisdom. And threaded throughout the scripture is this idea that human beings need wisdom, typically divine wisdom, okay? And I think that matches up with my own experience. I mean, the things that I see in the text and just in my, my, own, my own experience. Um, and we don't talk about wisdom, especially in popular culture today, do we? Now, we might talk about skills, we might talk about success, we might talk about psychology, we might talk about any number of things, but we don't 
usually use this word wisdom anymore, which is really quite tragic because it was very important to a lot of ancient cultures, um, notwithstanding, of course, is the ancient Jewish culture. By contrast, ancient Israel had a body of literature called wisdom literature. And for those of you um, who might not be familiar with this, typically speaking, wisdom literature is contained in Psalm, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, the most erotic book in the Bible, Job, right? Those four, we've got those, those four. Um, and then there's bits and pieces that we might find in uh, some of the prophets, but those are the big ones, okay? Those are the big ones. And today I want to talk about Proverbs, because Proverbs is kind of the central component of wisdom literature, and I want you to see how wisdom itself is threaded throughout this book. And I am not being exhaustive about this. I'm only going to pick just a few verses to kind of help us move through, through the book. Now, here's a little comment about, um, about Proverbs, because we have to be uh, careful. Proverbs is a collection of wise sayings. Okay? These are observations about humanity and God that wise people have, med, uh, have made and have collected and written them down. These are not necessarily promises of God. You have to keep that in mind. This is, these are a collect, this is a collection of wise, wise, um, wise sayings. And every major culture in the ancient Near East had them. In fact, some of the ones that we find in our Bible, we also found in Egypt and we found in other places um, like what is currently Iran and Iraq. Okay, what we call Mesopotamia. And so those ancient cultures had them, Egypt had them, Israel had them. This was very common, and so we see a lot of overlap between them. There are some contradictions in the Proverbs. Let me give you a great example of this. There's one particular proverb, um, not yet, go back one. Um, there's one particular proverb that says that rest and sleep is from God. And then there's another proverb that says that those people who rest and sleep a little bit too much are, are prone to ruin in financial, financial disaster. So we got both of those two things going on, and obviously it takes a certain amount of wisdom for us to understand the context, but it's still a wise saying. Those two tensions are held uh, by the Scriptures, so keep that, keep that in mind. Um, so, so as we go through Proverbs, these are wise sayings, but I think what we can find is this fascinating thread of guidance. So here's the first one. This is in Proverbs 12. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to, what's the word? Which is a type of guidance, right? So the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. And it's a striking contrast because you have fools versus wise, the wise, and the fools try to do things on their own, and the wise actually listen. Make sense? Here it is in another, uh, another chapter later in Proverbs 13. Where there is strife, there is pride. But wisdom is found in those who take, what's the word? Advice. Again, it's this idea of, of guidance. And here, strife seems to include an absence of wisdom, doesn't it? I mean, you're not paying attention to the people around you, and there's pride. And, and wouldn't you know it, and I've seen this over and over again, we'll talk about this again in a moment, but it's when we have so much pride that we're not willing to listen to someone else that causes all kinds of problems. 
I think the vast majority of issues in people's lives are self-inflicted. I'm just saying. And, and very often, it's not the fact of your circumstances, because bad things do happen. It's what you do with them. Are you going to approach them with pride and create some more strife, or are you actually going to listen to some type of, of advice? And so we have this pride versus wisdom. Think about your own circumstances. If you think about the places where you've got strife, maybe right now, can I just ask a question? Maybe you got some pride going on? I don't know. That's between you and God. But my guess is if we follow the ancient wisdom of the Proverbs, there's a good chance that that, that particular characteristic is, is in play. I was reminded um, several years ago, there was a football player, I wish I could remember who it was, and he got into trouble for something, and he did a press conference, and he, he sat, and he was like, I'm a proud man, I'm a proud, proud man. And I thought to myself, man, that ain't something to be proud of. You know? Because the, the, the pride that you're claiming here is creating some strife. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have pride in the work that you do, you don't... You don't take pride in yourself or your character. That's not what I'm suggesting. But when pride becomes an issue, it creates strife. And it's usually because we're not, we're not paying attention to the things that are going on around us. So, um, people who have this idea of my way or the highway, that's not wisdom. It's just not. Um, there's a certain collaborative element that we need, that we need to have. Um, because, look, we can't all see the big picture together. I mean, we can see it together. We can't see it individually, is what I mean. Next one, uh, Proverbs 15. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. You know, plans fail because of lack of counsel. And, and this, you get this idea that advice is tied to success. And here at Thrive Church, um, our staff, just so that you know, we debrief everything. Everything. If we do an event, we get together after the event and we ask a series of questions just so we have counsel with one another. Some of the major decisions that we've made in this, in, in this church and some of the things that have really helped our success has largely been because of that debrief. And sometimes, sometimes the staff, they're like rolling their eyes, like, here we go again with the questions. It happens. But they all know that we need to go through those questions. It's three simple questions. What went right? What needs improvement? We never ask what went wrong. We ask what needs improvement because that gets us solution focused. And the third was where was the God moment? Because if God's not a part of it, why are we even doing it? And they know this. Every single staff meeting. And if we did an event on Saturday and we, we had church on Sunday, we're going to debrief those things with those same questions. And doggone it, everybody's prepared. They're all prepared. Sometimes they even, sometimes they even beat me to the, uh, to the the punch, <coughs> and they've already got things that they want to talk about before we even get started, which is great. But that's important for us because it's counsel. It's when we're all together and we're advising one another. And the thing of it is, is that no ministry area is by itself, because you know worship. You know, talks about kids, and kids talks about hospitality, and how, it doesn't matter. The point is, is that we're all moving in the same direction on this one. So let's look at this final one. This is Proverbs 24. The wise prevail through great power, and those who have knowledge muster their strength. 
surely you need guidance to wage war, and victory is won through many advisors. Now look, here's the thing to keep, keep in mind. War is serious business, obviously, because people's lives are on the line. And even here, there's no room for Lone Rangers. Even here, there's the suggestion that we need that outside guidance, that outside counsel, in order to, to do and make the most serious things uh, of life. So taken on the whole, human beings need wisdom and guidance. But we, we just need this in our lives. And we know this. We, we do know this. And so where do we turn? TV? Internet? Social media? Oh, there's some wisdom there, right? Yikes. But that's, that's ultimately you know, part of the question that we're asking. The New Testament writer James picks up on this as well. Here it is in James chapter 1. And he writes, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. If you're lacking wisdom in something, if you need some guidance, ask God for it, because He gives generously. And here's the thing. Remember, God wants to give you wisdom. God wants to answer certain prayers. And sometimes we think that we've got to keep pounding on the door, and the fact of it is, is that God is sitting there going, anytime now, right? So keep that in mind. If you lack wisdom, ask God and trust that He's going to provide. But here's the thing, though. How does He provide that wisdom? Well, very often, it's through the words of somebody you know, through an advisor. I, I'm just going to say this up front. The voice of God very often sounds like Lisa Trelor. <laughs> Straight up. I'm not lying. And the thing of it is, is I, and I, my pride gets in the way, and I'm like... And there she is, just kind of like, you know what? You can keep breaking yourself against this if you want to. I know, you're right. <laughs> and some of you spouses know what I'm talking about, right? But God speaks to us not only through His Word, but also through just the wisdom and experience of the people around you. And those are the kinds of things that we've got to keep in our minds when we talk about guidance. And what's more, James helps us. We know when it's God's wisdom. Because here it is in James chapter 3. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, um, submissive. Uh, this word can mean easily obeyed. Full of mercy and good fruit. Impartial and sincere. So if you're talking with someone and there's just that sense that you get, and I really need to pay attention to this, and you can kind of walk through and go, okay, is this, is this pure? Is this really about you know, the best interest at, at my heart and what God wants? And you know, Is it one of those, you check that off. Is it pe peaceable? Is it fair? Is it, are those the kinds of things? If, if that's the case, then the guidance that you're receiving is wisdom. Okay, and, and here's the thing. I, because we don't talk about wisdom so much, I think sometimes we miss when wisdom is actually spoken to us. So, James, very helpful 
I'm not saying this is a checklist, but this is something for you to think about. When you get some advice from someone, match it up. Is this, is this from God? Is this the guidance that I'm really seeking? And so I want to offer just a couple of thoughts on the practice of guidance today. Um, kind of based on what we're seeing in the text, but just some of my own experience. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and so um, there's different types of guidance. Let's start right there. Next slide. Types of guidance. First is facts. You might want to write this down. This is kind of helpful. Facts are the first type of guidance. Um, very often, young people need facts. They don't have all of the facts. Uh, in fact, uh, there's, a, there's a place in, um, in Proverbs where it talks about young people are ignorant. That is not a slam. You just don't have the experience for it. And so sometimes you need facts. Um, she's not in here right now, so I don't have to pay her a dollar. Uh, but Elizabeth, when she was real little, I, some of you heard me tell the story, she was standing at the top of our staircase wearing a cape <laughs> and had a twinkle in her eye. And I said, uh, honey, you can't do that. Why not? Gravity. I hate gravity. Gravity's a fact, sister. Guess what? Dad does not want the fact of a hospital bill. Thank you very much. You need the facts in order to live your life and, and not you know, stick something in the electrical outlet. Like, you know, you know what I mean? So, facts. Very often, the guidance that we have to give, especially children, is, is simply fact. Here's the second one. It's advice. Um, advice is a little more complex. Um, it's how to use certain facts. And usually when you get advice, it's specific to a problem or circumstance. When you ask someone for advice, usually you have a, a pretty specific question. Um, you've got something that you want to explore with them. And they have either the experience or the background or the knowledge that you need, and so that it's just a natural thing for you to ask for, for advice. And then, kind of moving up the scale, we have wise counsel. Uh, we, we tend to use this one in church world a little bit more. But wise counsel is, is a little more complex. Um, usually it has to do with big questions, like life-size questions. Um, when we're looking for, um, you know, big questions like, you know, relationship questions or what I'm supposed to do with my life, purpose questions, very often we're looking for wise counsel. Um, and wise counsel implies that you have a relationship with people. It is really hard to receive wise counsel when there's no relationship, okay? And then, um, one, two, three, four, fourth one down, uh, I would call mentoring, this implies wise counsel, but it's highly relational. It's usually long-term that you have with someone, and it almost always deals with complex things. And sometimes we call this word coaching, you know, but mentoring is usually uh, a little more deeper than, than coaching. And uh, in this case, uh, the way I'm using it is that it's kind of a long-term, highly relational sort of thing that we have with one another. And then here's the last one, is counseling. Now, counseling is one of those places where you're dealing with complex emotions. Or you have somebody who's in crisis. Because as a, as a counselor, as a pastoral counselor, I have to go pretty deep, pretty fast with a, with a person um, in order to, to start figuring out what's really going on. And, and so counseling is another form of guidance 
um, is also the most difficult uh, to deal with because you're dealing with the human heart very in a very real way, very painful way often. So um, maybe there may be more. There might be different words that you would use. The point is, is I'm just trying to create a framework in order to think about this a, a little bit more. But here's the thing I want you to, to focus on, though, and I, I, I hesitate to bring this up, but I think it's important, is that there, there's, there's a challenge here because guidance requires something from us. And it's something that a lot of people aren't comfortable with. And, and here's what it is. Guidance, if we really want guidance, requires us to be vulnerable. It's vulnerability. It's to admit that we don't know. It's to admit that we need help. It's to admit that there's something beyond us. And this is why pride enters the picture, because we don't want to admit that. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Because very often, we don't want, we, we say we want guidance, but we don't want the vulnerability. And you have to be vulnerable in order to receive what I would call wise guidance to admit that you don't know. And it's too much for some people. It just is. And so here's the thing that I want you to remember today. If you don't get anything else that I say today and you remember this one thing, this is it. Asking for help takes strength. Asking for help takes strength. That's why when I talk to addicts and they're ready to get some help, they're my heroes. Because you never ask for help out of weakness. You ask for help out of strength and don't let anybody tell you otherwise because they're lying to you and they haven't dealt with it on their own and they've not dealt with their own vulnerability yet. To be able to say to someone, I can't do this, takes a very strong person. I am not talking about the person who's saying, well, I can't do this, which really means I don't want to do this and so I need help with it just because I want to get out of doing it. That's not what I'm talking about. I am talking about the gut level, this is too much for me, this is beyond me, I need some help here, and I am asking for this. It's the person who's coming clean and getting honest with themselves and with others. Those are my heroes because it takes a tremendous amount of strength because it takes vulnerability to do it. And have you ever noticed this? I, I'm, I'm going to go for broke. The thing that, I've, that I, I see over and over again is the person who does not want to be vulnerable. <laughs> when, they, when they're not willing to admit their own shortcoming, it is so apparent to everyone else around them that they got an issue. Have you ever noticed that? It's the person who says, mm -mm, and they're trying to hide it, they're trying to cover it up. It is painfully obvious to the rest of us that you got something going on here. And the more we try to cover it up, the more apparent it becomes. And that can be a work performance issue, that can be a personal issue, and that can be, that can be a relational issue. And in every relationship, it takes two. And it's the person who doesn't admit that they've got a role to play. I am telling you right now, it is so obvious to everyone else. Weakness tries to convince us to go it alone. I have a relative who um, got addicted to heroin and methamphetamine for years. Oh, no, I got this under control. Dude, no, you don't. You don't. 
And it wasn't until they hit rock bottom and they were able to say, I can't do this anymore, that they were actually able to be vulnerable enough to get the help that they needed. So keep that in mind. It takes a strong person to ask for help. It's a weak person who refuses to deal with that reality. When we start dealing with reality, the spirit of truth leads us into all truth. And I think that's an important thing. So the last little piece of advice to you when you're giving guidance. Because sometimes people might ask you for advice. Sometimes your kids may need some facts from you. So there's a couple of, couple of just thoughts. Again, not exhaustive. Just a place for you to think about. First one is pray before you offer counsel. You know... Just given my job, I get a chance to talk to a lot of people. And one of the things that I have to remind myself to do is just say, God, what is it that you want the, this person to know? Do I have something that you want? I mean, there's a reason why they're coming and talking to me and, and why this is, what is it? What is it? And sometimes I don't know until I start opening my mouth. But to pray about that when you're asking, uh, when you're, before you're giving uh, Wise counsel is, is an important thing. And here's the other one. Refrain from judgment. I've talked about this one before. Look, they're coming to you for advice. They're asking for some guidance. Don't judge them because you don't know how they got that conclusion. You don't know how they got to that place. You were not there when they made some decisions in their life. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't have a place for honest critique. That's not what I'm saying here. But don't you dare judge them. Because you know what? You're one decision away from the same spot. We all are. Let's just start there. So refrain from judgment. And then finally, support and encourage. Because that's what people mostly need. When you're offering wise counsel, try to do it in a way that's supportive and encouraging. Remember, um, we talk a lot around here about trajectory. People are either heading towards Jesus, they're heading away from Jesus, or they're just stuck. And our job is to point people constantly towards Jesus. I am not responsible for getting them to their destination. My job is to point them. I want to get them unstuck. I want to you know, get, help them to turn around. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And I find that people are more prone to support and encouragement than they are to judgment and condemnation. I don't know. It's just kind of human nature. Yeah, I do think. So try to support and encourage. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's hard. That's hard work. That's why you need the Holy Spirit to guide you in your guidance, and that's why we start by praying. Right? So they kind of reinforce each other. So maybe today you know somebody who needs some guidance. Maybe it is painfully aware that they are trying to hide that. They're trying to cover it up, you know? Would you pray for them today and just say, God, give them the guidance they need, raise up the resources they need, show me what it is that I can say, how do I speak truth in love, because for some reason we all like to focus on the truth, and sometimes we tend to downplay the love part, I'm just saying, or maybe there's a part of you that maybe you need some guidance today. Maybe you're at a point where you recognize the circumstances are just a little bit beyond you. Can I just say that's a great place to be?
Because that's usually the point where God meets us, right where we are. And what I would just, I would just say to you is that um, ask God for that wisdom. Ask for some guidance. I mean, I'd be happy to pray with you today uh, if you want to. I'd be delighted to do that. You know, catch me afterwards. Um, let's talk about some coffee. You know, sometime during the week. I'm always up for coffee. <laughs> surprise, surprise. But the first step to real freedom, and I thought this was appropriate. Dan, Dan mentioned this today. He talked about freedom. The first step towards real freedom is admitting you're, you're, you're bound or that you're missing something. I don't know what that is for you. But, but here's the thing that I do know. I know this without a shadow of a doubt. I don't care how long you've been going to church. I don't care how long you've known Jesus. I don't care if you've been to seminary. I don't care if you've been to Bible school all your life. I don't care what degrees or what certifications or any of that kind of stuff. Everybody I know has another step to take with Jesus. Everybody. In fact, I know some people who've been in church all their lives and they're still baby Christians. And the point is here is that, that guidance is something that we all need at some point in our lives. Some of us just happen to need a little bit more than others. <laughs> and I think we've got to ad- admit that. So I don't know where you are today, um, but my guess is that you've got another step to take with Jesus and he knows what that is. And that's practice of guidance, these practices we've been talking about, these spiritual practices of the things that are going to help you inside, which is where we all need the most help.